ceiling is the roof. I'm Mike. He's Bobby. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're interested in this, you're probably interested in what we're doing Wednesday night this week, which is a uh, full-on live stream, a uh, companion piece to the NBA draft, which I'm very excited about because I put a lot of work into it. Um, it's going to be great, honestly. I'm really excited about what we can pull off. Um, we're going to be at the AAC. It's going to be Jeff Skin Wade. It's going to be Chuck Cooperstein. It's going to be Bobito Corella as well in the house. Uh, we've got some great content for you, and we're going to bring you all the press conferences, too, of, of the people that you actually want to hear from, Rick Harlow, Donnie Nelson, and Michael Finley, as the picks happen. So really looking forward to that. Um, and there's going to be good interviews to... during, Mike, with other people, with yeah. VIPs. Yeah, no doubt. There's going to be, uh, going to be Jonathan Sharks, uh, the great Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer, Jake Kemp from The Tickets. Uh, gonna get some stories from the, some guys that were drafted um, either not so long ago uh, in some cases, or in you know 1981 or whatever Rose uh, draft year was. Uh, but it's gonna be a fun experience, man. I, I love the draft. Always have. It's one of the things that got me into the NBA uh, from the beginning. Like I would just buy rookie jerseys um, or ask on, ask for them for Christmas. Like, I still have a, a Joe Smith Warriors jersey because uh, I thought he was just going to be awesome. I still have a Damon Stoudemire, like, old-school dinosaur Raptors jersey. Oh, wow. Just because I just love I love the draft. I love, I love that transition from here's what you were in college. And back then it was way more traditional college, American college, two to four years. And uh, here's what you're going to be. So uh, a big fan of this process and... The fact that we get to work on it um, pretty regularly now, or you know, when that time of year comes around, uh, is really fun to me. But uh, this is Ceiling is the Roof, and it is brought to you by the good folks over at City Card in the City Advantage Platinum Select Card, more specifically. I own this card. You own this card. Um, we're clearly very, very excited about watching the Mavs play pretty soon, and as quickly as, what, five weeks from now. But you know what we're even more excited about planning our next trip. Your life is only as cool as your last vacation, let's be honest. Um, that's why I wanted to tell you about the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. While you're daydream of, daydreaming about your next adventure, you could be earning miles every single day. Earn Advantage miles on every purchase and two times the miles at gas stations and restaurants, including takeout. Plus, the card comes packed with great travel benefits that will make your next trip even better. You can earn 50,000 Advantage bonus miles after qualifying purchases. Start earning miles today for all of your adventures to come with the City Advantage Platinum Select card. Head to city.com slash adventure to learn more and apply. I've actually done this. I got a full free free trip, me and my wife, to Chicago before the season started last year. So uh, right. it's legit. It works. Get it's miles, <laughs> save up, you know, save up the miles, and save up money. I guess, yeah. but save up the miles because, man, it is pretty glorious whenever you can. Uh, whenever you check your account and you have like twenty six thousand or forty thousand, mm -hmm. you're like, let's go. Man, I was I was I was approaching six figs at one point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's like we, George we, Clooney, like Sam Elliott's going to come sit next to you on the plane and talk to you about loyalty. <laughs> and then I cashed it in, and now it's, you know, it's like fifty to 60000 right now. But uh, I didn't think, 
when I was younger, I didn't think I was going to be a person uh, that was going to be obsessed with miles or like Marriott points, <laughs> which I'm still not. I'm still better than those people. Like all the <laughs> all the travel. All the traveling media people that get obsessed with like uh, Marriott points or you know whatever their their currency is. Yeah, that's McMahon like half our conversations with Tim McMahon. Which is- that's it. That's it. That's all he talks about. Yeah. Is Marriott points. He just pulls up his app and huh? Huh? Marriott points. But uh, if you listen to the first two episodes, you know we talked about the top three guys specifically in their own little individual podcast, um, and then we. We sliced it down to uh, the rest of the lottery guys last week. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, they're guaranteed to go in the lottery. Some might get to 18 where the Mavs pick, 18 and 31. Remember those numbers, um, number one. But today we're going to approach the rest of the first round guys, or at least how Draft Express has them projected um, on, on ESPN. We just kind of use that list. I think they're the best doing it right now um, on a consistent basis. We obviously really like. Uh, the work that Sharks does over at the Ringer, Kevin O'Connor as well. Um, I really enjoy um, Sam Vecini, who writes for The Athletic. Uh, if you're looking, if you're just new to this and you just kind of want to find some guys to listen to that aren't going to steer you wrong and make you sound smart every once in a while, there you go. And I guess us uh, this time of year. We yes. don't do it full time, but uh, we're up. We're up with what's going on in the league. Um, just about 23 hours of every day. So. Uh, let's get it started, I guess. Which guys did uh, did you want to talk about today? Just give the list. I'll give my list, and then we can uh, we can decide who wants to dive in. Well, Mike, I didn't realize until just now that the first guy on my list is actually ranked at number fourteen, which is technically the lottery. That's okay. So we had an incomplete episode yeah. last time, but uh, the guys that I was uh, kind of took special. I noticed uh, last time, but we were already two hours, so I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah this is not worth it. We gotta, we gotta just move on. Um, my guys that, that we kind of, we kind of divided and conquered my guys are RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, mm. Alexi Pokashevsky, uh, Kyra Lewis, Leandro Bolmaro, Theo Maladon. I said that like a real American. I'm sorry. Robert Woodard, <laughs> Tyler Bay, and Trey Jones, about eight, nine guys there. How about you? We got, we got, we got double bays. Uh, got to figure out which one's the main bay. Um, yeah, can't wait to hear about. You can only, have, you can only have one bay. Yeah, there's one bay. There's you can only have one bay. One bay to rule them all. Um, so my dudes that I uh, that I watched at least I usually start just if you start doing this and you get a synergy subscription you start chopping these guys up. Um, I usually watch about 200 offensive possessions and then if I don't see enough of um something else specific I want to see, say it's a guard and I really want to see some more pick and roll ball handler stuff. Like just load that up for, you know, until you get tired of watching it (laughs) until you're like, I don't want to see this anymore. Um, But the guys that I did that with today are Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky, Sadiq Bay out of Villanova, Jalen Smith from Maryland, Josh Green from Zona and Jaden and McDaniels from Washington. This is not everybody that's in the rest of the top uh, rest of the first round projections, but I think we're pretty, uh, judging by what I know about the rest of the guys, uh, I'm kind of happy I picked these guys. So um, you can you can start first. You can uh, you feel like you have more guys to talk about today, so you can you can pick the ones that you wanna you wanna hammer first. If you don't want to spend as much time as some of them, if they're pretty easy reads, then then uh, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. Well, how about let's start local. Let's start local. So both okay. R.J. Hampton and Tyrese Maxey are from basically right down the road. Uh, R.J. Hampton from Little Elm. Tyrese Maxey went South Garland, I think, is where he went to high yeah. school. Uh, one Garland. of the Garlands. South, North, 
mm-hmm. central. West. They don't call it central, mm-hmm. just regular. Uh, one of the one of the garlands. Regular both, garland. <laughs> yeah, so both those guys are from around here. Um, and another local tie, actually, RJ Hampton played for the New Zealand Breakers uh, in the NBL, a team which is co-owned by Sean Marion. So how about that? Uh, there's a little bit of a That's connection awesome. there as well. Um, I've been there. You've been to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Did you did yeah. you break stuff? <laughs> no, oh, no. Okay. I think that's a reference to the waves. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> definitely started some waves. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> wave, wave waves don't die. <laughs> yeah, I love love waves. Uh, so he was. He's kind of an interesting case. So I, I guess for these guys, I mean, like, frankly, we're talking. We're trying to talk about a lot of guys and maybe only one of them is going to end up on the Mavs and you know these are all mid to late first round guys um so it's kind of interesting to talk about like why they're in that rank like why they're in that range as opposed to higher or lower uh almost more interesting to talk about that than like aspects of their game that I like or don't like but the the elements of of Hampton's game kind of what he's all about really athletic guy tall guard 6'5 uh you know pretty long arm 6'7 wingspan can handle the ball really athletic jump shot is developing the thing that's interesting to me about his game is that, you know, ordinarily we think of guys like, okay, they're Americans, they're playing at an American college for one year, and then they're going pro. And whenever they go to Duke or North Carolina or, you know, Michigan or whatever for one year, they're, it's kind of like an, I don't know, it's not quite like professional basketball. It's it's kind of like, I, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to think of? It's like a step above AAU almost. I don't know. It's just one year. It's such a transitional mm-hmm. thing, you know, that uh, that I don't know. We we almost like encourage guys to go play overseas. Like go play pro, play in the G League. Uh, you know, don't don't go to college. Forego your college career. Go to the G League. Be coached up by professionals. Compete against professionals as opposed to playing. You know, half your games in non conference where you're going up against you know, whatever North Texas. No offense, Mike. Is this this has got to be the most. Um no offense taken. Although the Mean Green did have an awesome basketball this year before it got shut basketball team this year before it got shut down. Well, uh, this has got to be the most the most American uh, win overseas for eighteen months group like ever, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, there's a couple of them that are right off the bat. Lamelo and RJ Hampton. They played yeah. against each other. Actually, they had a game against each other. Right. You know, and Killian Hayes yep. could have gone probably anywhere he wanted to. Um, turned pro at sixteen. So it's it's a viable way now. These guys, you would see dudes that did this and kind of disappeared, mm-hmm. right? And they just you never heard from them again. But now it's there's a direct line from, uh, you know, born in born in the states, professional at sixteen somewhere else, and coming back. So I guess that's encouraging. If you if you think you're good enough at your profession to earn a living wage at it somewhere in the world. But who who's to say you can't, you know? Yeah, but it's what's the most uh, what, capitalist what, thing ever? What's kind of weird about it or, or interesting about it to me is, you know, and there's there's a whole lot of other stuff. As guys put more on tape, you learn more about their strengths and weaknesses, and so that is going to happen no matter where you play. But in this case, I mean, R.J. Hampton was like a, a considered a super duper prospect for his class, mm-hmm. and I believe he reclassified, so he left school a year early, turned pro, so he's barely nineteen. He's like nineteen and a couple months old, so he's pretty young. Um, but he played pro and he didn't really stand out 
in the NBL. And I mean, LaMelo didn't really either. LaMelo's numbers were kind of bad, and that kind of worked against him as well. But what I wonder is like, you know, the risk, of course, of, of going to college is that you don't put enough on tape against high-level competition and, you know, you're not ready for pro basketball, the pro environment. Well, the risk of turning pro is your tape against professionals isn't outstanding. And so it's one of those things that's like, I, I don't know. I mean, did it work out for him uh, if he had the chance to do it over again? Would he? I mean, I know making money is really good. Getting pro experience is really good. But if it affects his draft status to the or draft uh, stock to the point where, you know, at one time he was maybe considered like a top five, top ten pick, and now he's going to go, you know, somewhere in the teens probably or maybe even the 20s. It's like, well, was it? Was it worth it? I don't know. It's just it's a it's a really interesting kind of deal. Uh, and and again, you know, he could have gone to. I think he was going to go to Oklahoma State, if I'm <clears> not mistaken. <throat> if he would have gone there, maybe we would ask him the same questions about him as we did having seen him play uh, for New Zealand. But yeah, it's just kind of an interesting uh, an interesting thing. I guess it was sort of a risk, and it may or may not have paid off for him. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about. Maybe you're taking this very circuitous route to the same destination. Like, was R.J. Hampton always going to be a top, the 12th pick, you know? <laughs> Whether he went pro and played in New Zealand and did that and earned money for, like, you know, uh, a calendar year, or if he went to Oklahoma State and was a cowboy for, you know, uh, a semester. So it's, and th- this draft, I feel like, is going to define the future of that, at least for the next two to three years. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't run, like, Under Armour International camps or anything, so I don't know who the next kid is that's could have gone college here and is deciding to go play in New Zealand or Australia or China or wherever. But these guys are going to define that group. Just like we talk about Luca defining the next EuroLeague success story. Um, and the draft stock of, of Denny Avdia is it's affected by whether or not Luca succeeded immediately. You know what I mean? There's no way around it. It's just kind of how you classify players. So, it's 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 a little bit lazy, but it happens. Like it's one hundred percent it happens. So that's that's interesting to me. Yeah, but we'll see where he goes. I don't know. I mean, big guard. You know, he's kind of, he's got the body type, the level of athleticism that a lot of teams want. So it's just an interesting kind of case of like, you know, had he gone to Oklahoma State and been really raw, teams would look at that and be like, that's opportunity. But since he played pro and he and he wasn't just amazing, they're like, well, maybe he's just not that good. I don't know. So, so yeah, I'm with you. I think that this is kind of like a – it's a good sort of test for uh, LaMelo and, and, and Killian and RJ and a bunch of other guys. I'm sure there are guys that are going to do it again this year. Uh, but there were guys who did it before, like Darius Basley just took an entire year off. Um, if I'm not – didn't Brandon Jennings play overseas uh, instead of going to college like way one. back in the day? So I mean, guys have done mm-hmm. it before, but yeah, it's it seems like it's happening more and more now. So it's so it's interesting, but yeah. So I mean, that's R.J. Hampton, local guy. I know a lot of Mavs fans, you know, have have been following him for a while for high school and um, you know just the local ties and everything. So that would be interesting, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I just remember seeing him a long time ago because uh, when we play two K. <laughs> People will create the draft classes. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah, and they'll make the draft classes like five years out and. Uh, they'll label like the top, you know, two or three guys in each draft class and just be like, you just look at how many people have downloaded it and you're just like, yeah, I'd like to use that one. But I remember seeing RJ Hampton's name on one of the, one of the draft classes that had been created, LaMelo and RJ Hampton. So he was, you know, an outcome for him 
could have been, and it's interesting that both those guys ended up choosing a different path. Um, but he was highly regarded, obviously. Um, probably could have gone anywhere he wanted or next anywhere he wanted. And he, he seems fun, man. He seems super athletic and, and bouncy. So interested to see what, it, what ends up happening for RJ Hampton. Um, so the other local guy that you mentioned, uh, Tyrese Maxey, who ended up going to Kentucky. He's from South Garland. Um, point guard, I guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. I think he's going to be used as a point guard in, in the NBA or at least a pick and roll uh, initiator, which I guess is a point guard. We'll just say point guard. 6'3", so decent size. Um, when I watch him play, and <laughs> Kentucky's kind of weird to begin with, because you know everybody that's on the court or on that team is probably um, there for the same reason. <laughs> it's a lot of probably one and done guys that are you know trying to get their shots and kind of have they just kind of, they just kind of have a profile, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they for sure have a profile at Kentucky, and and he fits that. Uh, when when I watch him play, he's he has that real jitterbug herky-jerky ball handler kind of style that that you see at a Harden or, or Lou Will where it's a it's a high dribble it's I think I think it's I think the body type is long-legged I think I think it's short torso long-legged because uh Luca is the, is the long torso short legs right I think I think it's kind of like the inverse of that um but they do it they pull off the same kind of stuff um but it's just like frenetic energy offensively just always pounding the rock, always getting into the lane. Um, he does what I would call uh, falling off the boat whenever he he dribble attacks, in which you see like Harden he could be do really it, good or really bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean whenever you launch at the rim, right, and you initiate the contact. If you're James Harden, you might make the back basket and also go to the free throw line. If you're Lou Will, you probably going to make the shot and go to the free throw line it's it's creating a more difficult shot for yourself to try and initiate contact assuming you're going to get the call and it's launching your body in weird ways so that it's obvious that you just got fouled um when you're a superstar and you get those calls or you can make half those shots like it's pretty fun it's a cool trick when you're a rookie and like you're probably not going to get any of those calls like like Probably a lot like Colin Sexton was his rookie season, where he's just launching himself in there, just doesn't care. But he gets he's falling off the boat, right? And he's not getting the calls, and he's making an incredibly difficult shot for himself around the rim. And Maxi does that a lot. Um, and not that he's not a good finisher, he just kind of gets obsessed with this. Um, going to throw my body into somebody and try and finish this, and you know and. Sometimes it's it's great, and then sometimes it's um, the last game of the season. I can't remember who they were playing, but he's one for 11 <laughs> for a guy that almost only shoots inside the paint. Um, and he just could not get one to fall. He, he does have some nifty stuff um, around the basket, but it's, it's incredibly right-hand dominant. So you know it's always coming back to there. If he's, even if he's power dribble left-hand, you know it's coming back for the floater that way. So you can kind of sit on it. Um, not necessarily a good shooter, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of out in front of his face shot, kind of like all the Kentucky guys do. They got, they got a, they got a type. They don't teach you how to shoot in your year at Kentucky. It's not really important. 
if you show up and you can shoot, then good stuff. Let's work. Um, but uh, he's his body type is almost. He looks like he's bigger because he's thicker than a normal six three guard would be. I mean, he's whatever the opposite of De'Aaron Fox body type is. Like that's that's Maxi. Um, he's more linebacker, right? Yeah, dude, he's pretty thick. He's pretty thick, which gives him some balance and some power when he throws himself in into the into the paint. But it it means he doesn't have like much twitchy athleticism. Um, and so, I don't know if he's fast enough to stay at the one, or if he's strictly a combo guard, or moved over to the two, or whatever you would call Lou Will James Harden, right? Um, like I said, very right hand dominant. Creates tougher looks just to get back to his right hand because that's where he. He's like, I got to get back there. He's going to like spin to get back to his right. He's going to fade to get back to his right. He's just going to um, take force the floater like into someone's plane where they can block you because he's getting back to his right. Um, but as a bench creator, I think he could be really fun and kind of hone his craft there. Uh, the things I worry about is if you take him that early, you probably expect a little bit more than that, right? Um you expect a lottery pick, a guy that's taken as highly as he's regarded to to be something more for you. But if you need a guy to come in and take 10 shots a night off the bench and just create havoc on the other team's defense and jump into the lane and wear that second unit down and just make stuff happen and maybe he gets some foul calls, maybe he doesn't, that's, that's what he is right now. Um, we'll see. I mean, Kentucky guys are notorious for really good development in the first year or two just because they are superb athletes and really good basketball players. And sometimes they just got to figure out the shot. Sometimes they just got to figure out, you know, uh, one little, one little trick and it kind of unlocks them. And he's not any different to me. Um, if he can figure out how to finish consistently or just knock down threes consistently, Tyrese Maxey's going to be an awesome player. Um, but it is, I do, I do worry about his size already in regards to not being, Twitch, twitched up enough, um, not not fleet of foot as you might like for a for a true point guard or a guy that's going to push the rock. He kind of has, in a similar way to to Killian Hayes, but I think Killian Hayes is because like teams just don't know where he's going to go. Tyrese Maxey, depending on which draft person you talk to, is either middle of the road first round pick, or like he should go in the top five or six. You know, like there mm-hmm. are people who are super duper high on him, and I guess like. That's that's the ultimate sort of draft forecast, right? Like, is this guy has the tools? Uh, can he can he put it together? Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's I guess the the ultimate question for any draft. But in a draft like this, where there are so many players who are kind of have a hard time standing out from one another, like really, like we said, I mean, in the first episode, from like seven to thirty, they're like all the. It's kind of the same evaluation, you know, but if you have, you know, there, there are no five tool process or five tool prospects or whatever, but I mean, if you have three and a half, then like a team will swing on you, you know, earlier than maybe, uh, you know, many others would, uh, because they see the potential. Yeah. And there's this, there's this bundle of guards that I feel like that are emerging. I mean, you might just call them combo guards, but I think they're like a little bit more complex than that, uh, where they don't. They're not going to be good shooters earlier in their career, so they they develop these other things. I mean, I'm thinking of like Maxi, Colin Sexton. I'm interested to see what you say about Kyra Lewis because I assume he's one of these type of guys. Um, 
where it's just super crafty at creating offense and getting into the lane. But is there someone on the team that's going to be better at that already? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want, do you want that to be what he's doing? They don't distribute particularly well. Um, but are like some nights are going to score 20 and it's going to be really fun. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what to call him yet. I need to, I need to figure out a, figure out a name for this type of guard that exists. That's like not a one, not necessarily a two, not a shooter, but just, just nose down at the basket. And as soon as they're like one step away from unlocking something, mm. you know, unlocking, unlocking like a, an awesome second contract guy. Mm. Yeah. I think, I mean, Cole Anthony and, and Lewis both. And now Cole Anthony is another guy kind of like RJ Hampton who this year, I mean, he had an, an injury, so he didn't play the whole year, but he was a really, really highly sought after prospect, a recruit coming out of high school and everything. I think he might've even been the number one guy uh, in, in, in some rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony and Lewis are both kind of similar to Maxi. I mean, they they can get their shots. You know, Lewis is extremely quick. Anthony's unafraid to pull up from anywhere. Um, shot selection is kind of iffy. Lewis can shoot 36 from three, 80 from the free throw line. Um, but all these guys are kind of more scorers than playmakers or facilitators, I guess. I mean, you can make plays. Scoring is a play. Uh, but as far as, you know, drive and kick and and you know kind of reading a defense out of a pick and roll and you got a three on four over here can you make the right play I I I don't know I mean decision I guess that takes a long time to learn anyway um but it seems like this class those three in particular less so for a guy like Maladon who's also a guard but it's kind of different and 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 there are guys I mean like LaMelo is purely a playmaker and much less of a scorer but all three of those guys can get buckets they can get in the lane uh they can get to their spots and really their spot is kind of anywhere <laughs> on the floor mm-hmm. they'll just they'll just shoot from wherever they are um but the refined you know running an nba style offense and feeding everybody i i feel like that is missing from all three of their games which is probably why they're ranked middle of the first round as opposed to in the lottery um efficiency is a serious question mark with cole anthony as it is with rj hampton um but yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, if, if the jumper develops and if you become a better passer, then sure, you can be a point guard. But what I wonder is, this applies to Maxi and, and to really to a lot of these guys is like, in an age now where we're starting to see more and more heliocentric offenses, uh, you know, you can, Memphis, for example, John Morant is not seeing the Luca Harden, LeBron diet of, of ball handling but they don't really have another guy on the floor most of the time. I mean, like most teams now, you got like one true guard on the floor. It's like instead of 60 guard jobs, there's really only 30, you know. And so mm-hmm. the competition is much, much fiercer. So I just wonder, I mean, it's got to be, it's it's always been tough to be an NBA point guard. But in this class especially, it's got to be even tougher because, you know, the the number of jobs that you're competing for is very, very small. Yeah. And to me, with these type of guys it's so dependent on where they go. If you, if you go to a team that's not going to be winning, um, that doesn't have very strong player development or doesn't give you opportunities early, and you you turn into a second contract guy that doesn't necessarily have a position that you can define, right? But if you go to a good team and you're allowed to learn or develop your shot or develop your feel or just get that year underneath you um and then you know sophomore year 
you come back and there's higher expectations and maybe they let the veteran guy move on from from the position that you were you're waiting for and then you kind of get that chance then it's completely different to me um there's so much about basketball and high level like AAU type of basketball players that uh gets wrapped up in either win now or, or things that are just born out of necessity. You know what I mean? I feel like we ruined big men in the league for such a long time because we never developed them like Cat developed, where somebody let him go out and shoot and let him ball handle. They were just like, no, run block shots and finish dunks. Like, that's what I need you to do on this team right now. Go do that. And they just never really evolved. Um, but to me, it's these guys... Like, the later they go, the, the better I feel for them. Or, like, you know, uh, who's who's in that lower range down there after 10? Let's see, San Antonio at 11, obviously a great fit for anybody. Phoenix is becoming a great destination. But loaded with guards. Sacramento. You know, I mean, loaded. Yeah. But that's where I guess it could turn into, is I mean, obviously notorious. if teams are really going to lean into the G League, I mean, that's a perfect opportunity for all these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, there's some, there's some really, really soft landing spots here before the Mavericks pick at 18, that it's like, I, I hope some of these guards land there and get a chance to actually develop a little bit better um, and kind of just figure out who they are um, and what, what exactly they're on the court to do besides just, you know, what 50 other guys can do, which is put your head down and inefficiently throw your body into the lane. Hmm. Um, so, let's, you let's, want me to jump to... Let's talk about a couple guy? fun bigs, huh? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Poku and, and and Jalen Smith. Go go ahead with Jalen Smith. I want to hear you talk about him. He's he's like yeah, our, our so, pet player. We love him. Yeah. No, I I've loved watching Jalen Smith uh, for for a while. It's not a, it's not a difficult <laughs> guy to scout, really. Um, the thing I remember watching about Jalen Smith is they were playing. I think they were playing like Michigan State, and um, he just finished a couple lobs. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, an ACC big that's on a decent team that, you know, sets good screens and and is a hammer. That's fun. And then I swear I saw him take like threes on three straight possessions. (laughs) And I was like, what is this guy? I was like, what am I looking at? I remember I texted you that day and I was like, dude, watch this guy. He's bizarre. Um but he's, I mean, you, you look at him and you see him make, you know, one crazy uh, pick and roll roll man play, which honestly his efficiency numbers weren't that good doing that. Um, and I need to, I watched, I like sorted by that and I, I clicked on that and I watched it. And a lot of them were kind of either classified wrong or he would like set a screen as a roll man and he would like half roll to the free throw line and then try a step back three. And I'm like, that's not the same thing to me. Yeah, but it's um, awesome. Rolling within. <laughs> no, no, I know, but it's like his his number. I feel like his numbers aren't telling how how effective he is in that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's he's six ten. Uh, he's he's a center to me. Um, one hundred percent a center from Maryland, and uh, unicorn tendencies, unicorn adjacent. Um, <laughs> he shoots a unicorn shoots adjacent. <laughs> shoots a lot of threes man i forgot i i didn't i hadn't you know loaded up the synergy and hit play on his offensive possessions uh since like the first couple months of the season and man he is he's shooting step backs like he's gonna shoot them like you you better get over it because it's it's happening 
Um, his it, honestly, I, I liked it better whenever I was like, oh, he's around the thirty-first pick, like because that's a fun player that you know takes a little development, and um, he, he's not that different than the guy I think you scouted last year from Maryland and, and Bruno, Bruno Fernando. Uh, yeah, Jalen Smith stood yeah. out to me while I was watching Fernando. They are kind of similar. Yeah, and Jalen also has some Miles Turner in him too because like he'll go and try and block shots and stuff. They're they're kind of oh, yeah. similar sort of fish. That's that's the fun parts, right? Is is that that Miles Turner upside of you know he'll go get you three blocks a night if you keep challenging him, um, and then he might hit three threes in a night and set some really awesome screens and just be diving into the lane, not as twitched up and as athletic as I think he needs to be quite yet, um, or maybe he just doesn't have the right mindset. I don't know. Because, I mean, you look at him physically, and I see him make some plays where I'm like, dude, he's 6'10", and he's like the fastest person on the court in a straight line. And then sometimes whenever he's setting screens, I just don't, like, I love listening to Dwight talk about how to run a pick and roll. And and the little stuff you don't even think about. Like, he's watching the defender's, like, feet, and he's watching, like, where the weight's distributed, and, you know, his hand, hand checking. I mean, it's almost like a defensive lineman. Like, he's explaining how to do this, and... It's all to get to this moment to where Dwight is turning towards the basket and it's a foot race, right? It's, it's me creating space from you headed towards the basket. And I'm going to rely on my guards to get the ball over the top to me. And I, I just don't know if Bruno even knows what's <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of pick and roll roll man and him spreading to the basket and waiting in the dunker spot. You know, there's not much feel for it, honestly. And it's, it's incredible how good he is already. Um, Already, he's, you know, some people have him, you know, I think 12 is probably the highest I've seen him, but 12 to 20-ish range. Um, and I think the I think the intrigue is, is the threes. The threes and the blocks are just things you don't get out of the same player. You usually have to do that with a couple guys. Um, and we know how valuable that is. I mean, we watch Christoph Porzingis play every night. If you can If you can do those two tricks, then that unlocks your lineup kind of up and down. Uh, in every which direction, but I think right now he's kind of a. To me, he's at this point he's he's a bench big that can attack the hell out of other bench bigs and create some mismatches if they number one if they don't close out on him. Um, I think the shot's going to come along. I think there's going to be some like Miles Turner level shot potential from the three point line, um, but also he's. Dude, straight line dribble, if you close out too hard, I don't know how many Big Ten big men like still have nightmares of that dude cooking them, but every game, there's once or twice. He may, he'd make one three, and then you close out too hard, and then it's right power dribble, and dude is going to jump up and try and touch the shot clock as he brings the ball down. Um, and it's almost... Uh, I was trying to f- think of a comp for him, um, and I don't know if it's like... Miles Turner is obviously a little bit, a little bit uh, aiming for the moon, um, but it's like it's like Gorgie Jang immediately, you know? Okay. Like like soft touch, good good shooting big man, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can um, see that. But I think he's I think he's already a little bit more athletic than than Gorgie, and yeah. I, I want to see. I mean, he's still super, he's super thin, honestly. If he if he gets a little muscle on his lower half and a little bit of strength and kind of understands what he's doing in a pick and roll besides just set screen and then go. Um, 
I think there's a lot of potential there. I did like it way more when he was around the 31st pick yeah. <laughs> as compared to hovering around 18, though. He kind of has a little bit of maxi, too, in that just you know big guy skill, athleticism, size. Uh, body needs to fill out a little bit more. And also Maxi's like an elite perimeter defender, too. Uh, for his size, at least. And so, you know, that comp mm-hmm. isn't quite accurate either. But we're starting to see more of that now to where, like, you're 6'10". Maybe you're not a center, but you're going to play a lot of centers. So you better be able to def- protect the rim. And you also better be mm-hmm. able to shoot because you're not quite a center. It's a really weird kind of, like, list of of requirements. And it's kind of unique to that specific height range, like between 6'9 and 6'11", basically. You, you better be able to mm-hmm. do everything uh, under the sun. But you see how valuable they are, right? It can it can make you not put that extra three and D guy that's really just a three out there. You can play your lineups a little different. Um, you can cheat this way or that way, and you don't have to worry about do I have enough two way players out there? You know, do I have enough guys that can play offensively at an efficient level and defend their position? Because I got a guy that can either clean it up or if we get switched. I'm not going to, you know, freak out and say intentionally foul. Like, let's see what you can do guarding along the perimeter. Um, and guys like Maxi, obviously KP is the is the number one example of, of dudes that unlock your lineup up and down. Um, I mean, you saw what the offense was this year, right? <laughs> we, got, we got two guys that do that and then some other specialists at the big position in greatest offense of all time. Yeah, I don't think bad. that's a coincidence. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Okay, Alexei Pokashevsky. Yeah, uh, he is. Can't wait to hear about this guy. He is a wild, 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 wild man. Uh, a wild player. If you listen to draft podcasts or if you've seen him play, then everything that you hear about him and see about him is true. The dude is just a freak of nature. Not in the sense of like the most athletic person ever, but he's seven feet and maybe not done growing. And he weighs a generous 200 pounds i mean i'm not sure if that's (laughs) totally true maybe closer to 190 but for reference i weigh about 190 and he's nine inches taller than me (laughs) so i mean Mm -hmm. it's like you know the the kid in willy wonka um but he does dude he handles the ball i mean he's he can pass he's kind of point guardy uh and he'll uh, he can pass and he knows he can pass he can dribble and he knows he can dribble and he kind of gets bored sometimes and when he gets bored it's really anything is possible um but he played uh he he played in the the german or the german in the greek b league so like the second tier of greece basketball <laughs> uh same league actually as giannis before he came over here and so that's kind of the level of competition that he's up against not even you know like for example Killian Hayes played in the German league or the German A league. Theo Maladon played in the French A league. These are much better than the Greek B league. And so, not only is he still, I think he's still 18. He doesn't turn 19 until uh, I don't know for another couple months. I want to say um, youngest guy in the draft, right? You said what? Youngest player in the draft, right? Yes, yes, I believe so. There are a couple 18 year olds, and he's one of them. Um, so he's still very young, obviously very raw in terms of his body, but he's got, you know, the potential. And I, I mean that, you know, I, I don't say that. I mean it lightly, the potential in like the classic sense of the word. He has the potential to be really, really, really unique and special. Um, there are some draft people that are like, yeah, he might be the best player in this draft one day. But everybody, even his most ardent supporters say one day. This isn't a Lucas situation where he's going to come over and be amazing on the first day. Um, but it is a 
it is a project like probably maybe stay in Europe for another year um, kind of thing and then come over and slowly sort of acclimate yourself with everything but keep working on your body keep working on your frame but there simply aren't guys that are seven feet like Bobon for example seven foot three he's he's a giant a huge guy uh, really strong but he's got he can pass I mean he can handle he can shoot a little bit like Poku can do all that stuff, but he can he can move. I mean, he's he's much slimmer and and you know a couple inches shorter, much more athletic. And so, uh, if you get a guy that has like you know floor vi- floor vision, handling ability, uh, and a whole lot of skill and the ability to shoot and everything, like normally those guys are six foot three. Now they're starting to become six eight, six nine. Well, guys like Giannis and Poku are like seven feet doing it. And so you're like, okay, can he be that? Because if he is, then that's like a once-in-a-generation kind of player. Uh, if not, still super interesting. Like Boris Diaw, for example, was amazing. Um, you know, but he, he wasn't like an all-star caliber guy. But that's kind of the the path, you know. Uh, but, th- but that is a whole lot of ranges of outcomes. You know, guys like Detlef Schrempf, Lamar Odom, they were much taller. They were able to do those things. And then there were guys that were tall that had skill that never played a second in the NBA. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a huge gamble. But it's going to be one where the team that takes him is going to look like the Bucks do now or like the Mavs did whenever they took Dirk. You know, they're going to look like absolute geniuses in five years uh, if, if he pans out. Because a guy like that is either going to be really good and really fun or like, you know, you'll never hear from him again kind of thing. So you don't think any capability to be on an NBA bench next year? I don't know. I mean, <sighs> I think you want him over here so you can like get him the right, right kind of weight training. Yeah, I mean, you got to get him in the strength can... and conditioning. I mean, that's important. But but for playing, I mean, I don't know. Like I'm under, I'm obviously underestimating the guy's athleticism. But guys who are that tall and that skinny, like that's like almost a health risk. You know, getting out there. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine like him trying to Anthony Davis? is like seven, seven feet or well six ten or whatever like 260 <laughs> yeah. i mean like could he could you imagine poker trying to stop Giannis on a fast break like it would just be it would be pretty it would be pretty tough so i don't know i mean it, it's it's interesting uh i guess like in the classical sense like if this was 20 years ago he would stay in europe for probably four years now you want to get mm-hmm. him over sooner because you you recognize the ability and everything but yeah it's tough i mean most of the time, we the the the, the classic complaint about big men is they got to work on their body, and I feel like that's overblown. But like in this instance, like it's not at all. He has to put on some weight. So uh, maybe it is come over sooner and play in the G League or something. But yeah, I mean the the ceiling is you know like three roofs up for Poku because he's just got he's got oodles of talent. And he would you would you classify him as a as a feel for the game kind of guy like he already has it um, oh he dude he knows, what he knows what he's doing yeah have you ever watched any of his highlights yeah i've seen some of them but not in a, a couple weeks or like a month so yeah I'm trying yeah to think i mean of... he can he can just you know he can he can play he can make some passes that'll you know make rick carlisle grow his hair and then go bald again uh mm-hmm. or he can make passes that will like leave everybody's jaws on the floor uh, so i mean he's just got <laughs> It's just rare, you know, but then, but then, and that's, I guess, kind of a bigger conversation because we're going to start seeing guys who are very tall, six nine, six ten, six eleven, that are capable of playing, like Avdia, for example, I think is six nine, um, mm-hmm. you know, Parsons, those kind of guys, and especially in Poku's case, seven feet tall, 
how much ball handling are they actually going to be doing? Like, is it going to be yep. a Jokic thing where like you play through them like on the high post and a lot of like kind of like pivot stuff and stuff like handoffs and things like that? I mean, what do you think? Let's say let's say Luca was three inches taller. Like, would he be the point guard or would would he be like a fulcrum? Like, what what do you think the 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 capabilities are? No, that's that's a secondary playmaker to me. Um, yeah, that's that doesn't. That's not your primary ball handler. I mean, we, we might see it one day. Uh, I think Giannis might might break that wall at some point and just be like, "Hey, I'm the point guard. I bring the ball up. I, I start the start the offense." Uh, instead of just I bring the ball up if it's immediately there, I'm at the rim, um, which is what Giannis most of Giannis's ball handling is now, just because he's. You're not supposed to be that fast and that strong at that at that height, um, but I don't know. I mean, I think I don't. I always I'm always trying to think of like what the next wave is. What's the next thing? And maybe there is a guy that is six ten and has enough of a handle to be technically considered a point guard. I mean, Ben Simmons is trying it, yeah, and, and with moderate success, even despite yeah, a I mean, huge limitation to his game. Exactly. Yeah. And they've been successful. It's not like, you know, they're they're a bad team in any way. So I don't know. That's that's an interesting if you if you stretch Luca out and you make him six ten or six eleven instead, and he's what what's his role? Um I don't know. I'm super intrigued by this guy just because the the tough parts I feel like are already there. Like, a lot of these guys, like, I think they're going to be looking for feel for the game or a shot or, you know, fill in the blank for the rest of their lives. Like, the rest of their careers, they're going to be looking for this skill. And from everything I've read about about Poku, it's the feel for the game's there. The size is there. Um, the shooting numbers aren't great, but people, for some reason, aren't worried about that. They don't, they don't seem concerned. Um, so... I don't know. I, I I I'm intrigued by it, um, but I don't know where that ends up in the draft. I guess if you're just shooting for the stars, then yeah, that's the that's the, so like top the, the, <laughs> the hot rumor of the last few days was that the Thunder were like super all in on him, uh, which would make mm. sense because you know, they have like 37 first round picks in the next four drafts. And so you might as well, you know, try and hit a home run. And also you're not going to get anything from him this year, almost guaranteed. And so, you know, if you're, if you're a team that's not trying to compete, then it makes sense. Um, but mm-hmm. with the range that he's at, like on draft express, he's number 18. Now he's, he's super wide range of outcomes too. I mean, some people have him like number one or number two, some people have him in the twenties. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in that range, like all those teams are trying to make the playoffs almost, you know, there are some that aren't, mm-hmm. um, but almost all the teams that are between like, you know, 13 and 30 are trying to go to the postseason. And so it's just a, it's, I don't know. It's like a, you have to draft a project, but um, you know, it's tough to develop projects if you're trying to win. So it's one of those, you know, it's, it's tough. That that's going to be a conversation that's going to be really interesting in a lot of these these front offices, right? Because where he's slotted to go is 
You know, I've seen him as high as 10 and I've seen him as low as, you know, 35 or something. And if you are this team that has shifted into, this is our direction, we're, we're going for it, we're, we're trying to, you know, make a conference finals here pretty quickly, but your international scout and your GM is walking in there and saying, hey, this is range of outcomes on this guy. Half the time we roll this dice, he's a multi-time all-star. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> do you, I mean, you have those, you hire those people for a reason. Yeah. Like, that's why, you know, Donnie and the rest of his guys have a job to tell you when something like this comes along to point out the, the landmines and the, and the, you know, the buckets of gold underneath the rainbow. That's their job. So if they come to you and they say, this is my information, do with it what you want to, want to do. And, uh, you don't you don't listen to it then you know i don't want to say you're playing scared but that's that's what the it's their job yeah you know, they're supposed to tell you but what's when, weird though is like this draft is uni- universally considered like a weak draft and mm-hmm. there's still like he's still almost definitely gonna go like after the lottery you know so it's just really weird mm-hmm. i don't i don't know if that's still like uh you know uh euro fear or Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe like maybe draft Twitter is just way higher on him than NBA front yeah. offices, and that's totally fair because, like, dude, there's a whole lot of projecting that you have to do to to convince yourself that he'll be a superstar. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's really interesting. It's some somebody well, is the, missing something, you know. Uh, yeah. When it when it comes to him, someone out there is missing something. Whether it's the teams well, or the scouts or the analysts, whatever. Uh, there's a there's the, very the diverse teams, opinions on him. The teams that have, <laughs> I'm just gonna say better because I don't need to. I don't even know the ways in which they're better um, necessarily because this is like a, you know, uh, a black market of sorts of teams that have a better international scouting system are gonna know things about him that no one else knows. It's it's a currency of information, and. You, you know the Mavs do it well. There's some other teams that are going to know every single thing about him. They're going to talk to every single coach. They're going to talk to uh, all the teammates, and they're going to know every single thing about him. Um, and that's what that's what scouting is all about. It's not, for the international guys, it's not all, let's put all the information on the table, and, you know, I tell you what's an apple, and you tell me what's a what's a peach. With the international guys, it's, it's currency of information. It's, it's, it's a market that exists that, uh, if you don't do it well, or you don't commit to it every day of the year, then, you know, someone's going to ask you about this guy and you're going to have some kind of bias about it. You're going to, you're going to say, no, you know, I'm not interested in it because I don't really scout international guys that well, or it's, it's just the way it works. So I think the Mavs are going to know more about this guy than almost anybody. And the Spurs Honestly. are probably right there too. I mean, like you said, there's, Spurs, there's some for teams. Sure. There are some teams, and frankly, I mean, he's from Serbia, played in Greece, and so you know, there's a lot of Serbian guys in the NBA. I'm sure that they all, you know, they probably know each other. Now he's much younger. You know, he's 18. I'm, he's probably not even, you know, in the same camps and, and stuff as those guys in the summer. But um, you know, 
I, I would say more mm-hmm. teams know about him than maybe knew about Giannis and certainly knew about Dirk. But uh, mm-hmm. and, and Dirk played in the German B League, so I mean, you know, if you play in the second tier over there, even today with all the information, you're still a secret. So, uh, so we'll see what happens. But yep. yeah, that that's gonna be like a that's gonna be a, a one to follow. On. I'm looking forward to seeing who gets oh, yeah. him and where he goes. Yeah, and he's just not gonna fit some team's timeline right now, where they just can't sell it to whoever gets the final say on things. Yeah. So it is this cross section of. You know, you can probably narrow down the teams that would have the patience for it, that would have the scouting department for it, and uh, can walk in to their owner and say, this is what we took. Is he going to do anything for us next year? Nope, not a damn thing. <laughs> but I promise you it's going to be okay. Yep. I promise you it's going to be all right. You're going to thank me in two and three, three to five years from now, whenever someone else might have this job. Um, you're going to be thanking me for this. Yeah. Um, and then real but, quick before, before we move on, I, I, mm-hmm. I want you to hit on your last couple guys, but, uh, Leandro Bomaro, Theo Maladon, they're not the same as, as Poku, but they're both very young, both played in Europe. Uh, Maladon played for Asvel, which is like the, one of the best French teams has EuroLeague experience. Uh, really, really nice player. Athletic st- upside is kind of limited, but has the skill. Um, you know, is very young, can defend a little bit, needs to needs to thicken up, I think, a little bit. Uh, and then Bomaro played for Barcelona, so rivals with Luca. Uh, they'll be at each other's throats. Um, but uh, <laughs> wing guy, very young, mostly played for Barca's B team, not for their not for their senior team. So, you know, fair amount of projection there. So I guess there there's a, a few more European guys that are in that range that are you know kind of a, a year away from being a year away. So that's kind of the that's that's the rest of my of my group. So for now, I cede the floor to you for for some uh, American guys. So a guy that um, we should be talking about in the same way we're talking about uh, Pokashevsky um, in terms of player development, size, um, what he's actually going to bring to you next year is Jaden McDaniel's six uh, nine. I think he's taller than that by now, probably six ten. Maybe he's 6'11", who knows? The wingspan's probably crazy. Lissa is a power forward for the Washington Huskies. He is not a power forward. Um, he is... <laughs> trying to find a nice way to say it. Um, <laughs> this this is a big, goofy baby body. <laughs> like, like he's, he's tall lanky and soft. I mean, it is like Kevin Durant college, like freshman year, um, without the obvious, you know, nuclear scoring ability or or shot making ability. I mean, just rail thin, like you can pick him out on every play. He's not hard to find, um, hovering around the perimeter at six, nine, six, 10, um, Shooting a bunch, trying to get into the lane and just looking like a baby deer on ice a lot of the times. A lot of limbs flying around. But he's also, like, clearly <laughs> played a lot of very high-level basketball and does some really cool mixtape type stuff every once in a while. Um, he's got some dunks that are, like, looks like a bat like came out of nowhere and just, like, hammers one and has some handle every once in a while before his body kind of gets in the way and you just see elbows and knees and stuff flying everywhere. But just as 
much development as Poku needs on his body, Jaden McDaniels is he's in the same exact bucket. Um, and that's why he's down here around, you know, 20 to 30 in this draft as compared to where people thought he might be. Because he, I've, been, I've heard his name for a long time, Yeah, too. I was going to say, it feels um, like we've been hearing about him for like five mm-hmm. years or something, which I know isn't true, but yeah. it, the name Jaden McDaniels is very familiar to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but he's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's, some guys just can't put on good weight. Some guys can't, uh, just, it's not, it's not in their genes immediately and they just got to work until they hit this age point at some point And then they start developing, they start being able to digest protein a little bit better and it just changes their whole life. Um, but dude has like no muscle on him. Like there's just nothing there. It's just a six ten, slender man running around the perimeter, um, Every once in a while doing some fun stuff, but you think you're like, okay, they're going to have a probably a top 20 player in Isaiah Stewart and another top 20-ish player in Jaden McDaniels, and that's a bad basketball team. Like, Washington was not good um, last year. So he led the Pac-12 in turnovers and fouls. So I don't know if there's a, <laughs> an award <laughs> or if there's a Wow, were his turnovers charges? I mean, how is that possible? <laughs> He just loses the ball. It gets in the lane, man, and it just the ball. I think there's shot attempts that just never really get anywhere, and they call them turnovers. I think. Um, so, it, it it'd be different if there was like some kind of nuclear scoring ability, like Kevin Durant, right? Or you know, there's been guys, uh, Brandon Ingram, right? Brandon Ingram had the nuclear scoring ability out of the bag, um, where he could still create his shot still use what was inside of him um, basketball-wise and use his length or use his, you know, being able to shoot over the top of people without the rest of it, the the physique and the physical aspect being a detriment. And Jaden's not not there yet. Um, when he shoots threes, he, he honestly looks like he's like kind of surprised to like someone else shot the three for him and then he's the one in the air trying to shoot the thing. Like, it's just like a weird shot. It's a really weird tilt head back, like like that. Like he jumps so high when he does it. It's just like, man, that's re that's throw that thing in the garbage. Rework that. Um, it's just a lot of limbs flying around. <laughs> and I wasn't very impressed, honestly. I mean, I think there's obviously a lot of potential there, just like, uh, like Poku, but you're thinking, years down the line uh, before you see Jaden um, out there starting or in a in a rotation and maybe I guess the conversation should be like what the ceiling is just like with Poku right is is the uh, is, is it worth the squeeze is the juice is the juice worth the squeeze and I don't know I think the range of outcomes on Jaden from what I've seen playing a year in an American college basketball and just kind of, you know, kind of getting owned. Um, I mean, he had some point totals that were fun, but, you know, most turnovers, most fouls in the Pac-12 when a team that isn't that good is it's not promising. You've seen a lot of these guys were talking about a freshman that succeeded their, their freshman year and didn't didn't really do this. Um, random, random note, did you, in any of your guys you watched, did you get to see any Arizona State home games? No. Wait a minute. Maybe. What's what's their deal? <laughs> oh my God! There's so much going on. Um, so Washington <laughs> was playing. 
Washington was playing at Arizona State, and I swear the guy is like inbounding the ball. And they're like about they're like getting into an offensive set, and for some reason the smoke machines are still going off. Oh wow, that's <laughs> awesome! Like mid mid play, and then I think uh, I was watching a possession, and Arizona State like made a three or something. And I swear there's like disco lights like flashing off the backboard <laughs> or something. Like some kind of lighting from the ceiling was affecting the backboard that the ball had just gone into. And I'm like, why? Like, why is this happening? Dude, heck yeah, we're just having a good time. I guess the the most interesting court that I saw was uh, Memphis's because it's just blue. It's like Boise State. Just all the way blue? Yeah. I mean, it's just a blue court. Oh, can't let any birds in there. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, Arizona State has some weird stuff going on at their basketball arena. Um just smoke billowing as plays are happening and Bill Walton just like, is just always there somehow. Dude, so much Bill Walton cut ins in these games. Just I don't know how that guy gets like little mini segments on every campus, like walking around. Dude, it's so great. Pac-12 it's game. so great. I I've I've loved watching Pac twelve guys for years because I know it's I prefer be- it. And the guy, the the uh, guy, I forget his name, who who announces with him is just like you know yeah. he loves it, but he just kind of plays to be yeah. miserable as a bit. Oh yeah, it's just he awesome. plays it dry for sure. But every Oregon game, I, when Oregon was good a couple of years ago with like Dylan Brooks, like it felt like Bill Walton was on every Oregon game. Oh I yeah, loved it. Oregon Arizona, whenever those two teams are cranked up, Bill Walton's out there just talking about like string theory in the middle of like the he's, second he's second half it. out of nowhere. I, when I was watching yeah. I was watching Jalen Noel and Markel Fultz, so a couple years in a row there was Washington guys that I was watching and uh like I you know on Synergy it's like you know there's only one or two seconds of lead in before the play. So there's no context, you know, for what you're watching. But the play'll start and it's just Bill Walton going, Woof, woof and I'm like, Oh my <laughs> God, how did we get here? But I wanna know, you know <laughs> He's just got like a chicken costume on. Like, what are you doing? Like, why is this? What's happening right now? But uh, that's Jaden McDaniels. It's just a long, long, long road ahead for for Jaden. But so okay, so know, maybe kind of the same it. as Poku, right? Like, someone's got a swing for yep. him, and you're going to look like mm-hmm. a genius. But there's so many a little bit teams, later. and 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 I don't know, who, I don't know how many, but it, it feels like there's a lot of teams. I mean, the Mavs are one, obviously, the Pelicans, um, you know, the Rockets, the Clippers the Lakers like there's a lot of teams that are toward the back half of the first round who have traded a lot of future picks and so if you Mm. only get one first round pick every two years then like you gotta be you gotta have some some major stones to take that guy because you're not gonna have another crack at Mm -hmm. it next year the way that so many of these teams won't yeah yeah if you don't have first uh, round pick equity moving forward and more chances to to hit on this and you know say you're a three and D guy away next year, or you have a glaring need. Um, or if, you know, next year might be the, the double draft. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, uh, it, it'd be a pretty, pretty significant wager you'd be making on, on Jade McDaniels. Uh, but I mean, that said, he's projected where he is, you know, by, by ESPN, which is, you know, 20 plus, uh, in terms of player rating and like where he'll go, but I've also heard, I've heard him as high as, as, high as ten. Like I've heard wow. teams around there at ten. I've heard where is San Antonio? <laughs> yeah, I'll just say it. Yeah, I mean, him, I've heard, him, I've heard eleven. And Robert Woodard and, and Killian to to a degree are like the biggest mystery mm-hmm. guys 
in the draft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things of currency of information. If you, if you know what Jaden McDaniels is about and you think he can put on weight and you can, you think you, you're the team to do that, then man, if he's has the skill level he has right now, but he's 30 pounds heavier and good weight, like yikes, like that is, that's a monster of a player. Um, but anyway, enough about him. I don't. I don't like him that much. Let's talk about guys I like that. I like way more. Jeez. Um, right. <laughs> what? Hope he's not listening. <laughs> yeah, he'll be all right. He'll get over it. Um, so let's talk about uh, my two favorite guys to watch. Um, and this and this grouping at least were uh, were Sadiq Bay and Josh Green. Um, Sadiq Bay is exactly what you think Sadiq Bay is. Just a smart. Um, so a big. Uh, I call him, I call him a big squishy uh, wing, in which he just kind of like kind of smooth, kind of smooth doesn't doesn't do anything like you don't expect him to no no frenetic herky jerky like kind of offensive motion. So where does the squishy um, come in? I don't know. It's just like a, if you watch him play, you'll you'll feel the adjective. Okay, you'll, you'll feel you're just like yeah, I get it. Like okay. he's he's just like. Looks normal. He looks. He's like six eight, but he looks like he's like normal size and proportions. Hmm. Um, so uh, the thing that everyone knows about Sadiq Bay is the shooting, right? Like uh, excellent wing shooter. Um, but you sprinkle in a little little Nova in there, and he's he's an intelligent, really smart kind of playmaker. Um, his, I was I was honestly, I was kind of shocked to see what his shot looks like considering he is you know maybe the second best shooter in this draft behind my Neesmith um he has a little bit of uh LeBron jumper which is he somehow lets go of the ball and finishes his shooting motion and kind of like crouch position you know what I mean like he's always like kind of like kind of in three-point attack shot whenever he shoots um, you know, it's butts kind of stuck out and he's, he's crouched over, um, has a little bit of a, a right leg swing in there. Sometimes lower release crouch, right leg swing kind of action and fades to his left more times than not. Or maybe just when he's tired, I don't know. Um, way better above the break like LeBron. Right. Um, but he's, he's humongous for a wing for a college wing specifically. Um, a guy that. It's just shocking when you see people of that size like hovering around the perimeter, right, and handling the ball and and shooting that many threes. Um, the the not super fun parts of his game is there's if he's not attacking on the dribble against someone that's way smaller than him and capable of using like he's never gonna dribble straight to the basket. Like it's just he's not quick enough. Like someone's gonna get there. Um, but if it's this guy and he, you know, beats him out the first step and then he's in the lane, like he can use his weight and use his big body to kind of throw him around off his hip and get some shots off. But besides that, there's like, there is no real solution um, to him getting from the three point line to the basket in an easy way. No real options. Um, the the dribble is mainly just the attack dribble is mainly just him trying to balance and or get into a shot. Or get into an area where he can get his shot off. Because it is a little bit lower release. But he's still big, so he pulls it off a lot of the time. I mean, it, it the jumper is it is LeBron, right? 
or he's just trying to create space to get that thing off. Um, but he's so good at shooting uh, from the outside, at least college range. I wonder if he, he did that on purpose. Like, I wonder, I, if, I wonder if he watched maybe, LeBron and was maybe. like, I want to shoot like that, you know? Maybe. I mean, he does have, like, that body type, but not um, the same size, I would say. And looks like a basketball player, but obviously LeBron is, like, the freakiest athlete that's ever existed. Um, so, it's, it might just be the, you know, the mechanics of a guy that is 6'8". I mean, I want to see what Bay is listed at weight-wise. Um, 220. LeBron's probably like 240, 250, right? Yeah, depending on the month. Um, yeah, exactly. You get up to 260 sometimes. Yeah. But uh, it is that bigger, full, like full body, not lanky guy shot motion um, that he has. And uh, he's really good in like one relocation dribble. And if there's no one in front of him, like that shot's going in. So he's just trying to create situations where there's not somebody in his face. Um, unlike Neesmith, who's the other shooter in this class, like could not be more different. Um, Neesmith is just going to shoot over you. He's going to rise up and he's just going to, like his shot is such a high release. Um, and I found, uh, I realized I, I really love guys with high releases on their jump shot this year. Because I just think Neesmith and the guy we'll talk about next, which is Josh Green, I'm like, that's a good shot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it goes in not as much as some of the uglier ones, but, um, or I guess Neesmith does, but uh, Sadiq Bey gets more production out of his jumper than Josh Green, but I like Josh Green's jumper a lot more for some reason. Um, well, I mean, a pitching coach would be like, yeah, Josh Green. Let's get him. Yeah, no, exactly. Mechanics matter. If, if he's, <laughs> right. But if he's, if he's open, just start jogging to the other end. Like a great open shooter. Um, Need to see what NBA 3 kind of looks like because he's not, there's no twitch to him, not super bouncy unless he's loading up on like a, he can still throw down, but it's like, you know, um, it just doesn't happen unless it's wide open. Uh, 45% from three and uh, the best score on, you know, what is a rebuilding Nova team, but a really good basketball team. So a lot to like with Sadiq Bey. I think he comes in and gets minutes immediately. Uh, whether you need a shooter, whether you need uh, just a tiny bit of playmaking. And he's a good defender uh, along the perimeter for a guy that is that big. Um, just need to probably twitch him up a little bit, get him, get that first step moving, or just get him some kind of physical edge in general. So he's, he's you know, he's anywhere from 10 to ten to 20, um, a little bit higher on. Feels like he's going to go higher months. than we think, I think. For sure. There's a, there's a lot of, I don't know, everybody likes him. He's no one's favorite player, but everybody likes him. Yeah, everybody everybody's in on Sadiq Bey, but also, I don't know, I feel like those guys can be sitting there at you know, 17, 18, 19, and people are like, why didn't this guy go? And it's because everybody starts reaching for like super upside, right? Because he's a sophomore. Hmm. I don't know what the, I don't know how much more you're adding on to Sadiq Bey game right now yeah. that happened um, with Bobby Portis in 2015 mm-hmm. like yep. he was like yep. everybody was like yeah that guy is like maybe top 10 for sure and then he went like 21st because it just kind of yeah you know just sort of happened but this group of three and D guys like none of them are necessarily the same there's there's no like carbon copy there's like 
the shooting specialist that can dribble attack, but it's not very good. And he ends up like he's going to dislocate his shoulder in Naren Neesmith. But the shooting is so good that it's from anywhere. And then there's Sadiq Bey, who's just going to trick you into letting him be open and knock down the threes. And then there's Devin Vassell, who's like way more gritty defense, but also a great shooter and can run some pick and roll on the side. So none of these guys like just there's no carbon copies um, happening with this three and D group. Um, and I kind of like them all. I kind of am intrigued by all of them. Um, and the last guy, glad we saved him for last. Cause I really like this guy. Um, Josh green, uh, six foot six wing out of, uh, out of Arizona, originally from Sydney, Australia. Um, so international. Have you ever guy. been there? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, I've so not been on just the New Zealand continent of Australia. Uh, yeah, just New Zealand, just North Island, South, mainly South Island, New Zealand. Um, so he's, he's one of these dudes that is, uh, I think we might've talked about this before, but I think, um, Kelly Oubre was like the first guy that I would classify as this as a, a wing at a blue blood kind of college that doesn't have an extreme amount of productivity, but people are still obsessed with like his draft value, right? Where it's like, he's going to go lottery and you're like, but why? And it's because people are, it's because people need wings. It's because people need wings and they need three and D guys. Um, Ubre is not a good player comp at all. It's just wings that go to a blue blood college, score like 10 to 12 a game, probably aren't the best player on their team necessarily. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, Mannion or Zeke Naji or, I mean, Arizona's got a good team, right? They just maybe aren't asked to do that much. Yeah, but with, them, with, with um, Arizona with Stanley Johnson too, whenever he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's these guys that are going to get picked in the lottery because everybody is dreaming on what this wing could, could tur- turn into, right? Because that position is so valuable. We talk about it a lot. Um, and, you know, to me, Sadiq Bey and Neesmith don't really fit in that category. It's, it's guys that get a lot of hype because of the college they go to. But, but Josh Green was I, – I came in with that kind of skepticism. Top 20 pick, blue blood college. Productivity is not necessarily there. Is this just hype train, seen this type before? Scouts and teams fall in love with these type of guys, right? Josh Green is not that to me. Um, he's, a, he's a pretty good 3 and D pros, prospect that – checks the boxes for athleticism and feel for the game. And most of them don't, honestly. You know what I mean? They either have one of those that's kind of lacking. His shot is really solid. Like, he has, like, this wide kind of Danny Green kind of stance where you just, like, the ball's always going where he wants it to go. And when he misses, it's really soft misses. Um, it's smooth and balanced, and it it looks like a shot is supposed to. Um and he's awesome from the corners. Like he is, he's awesome from the corners. He's awesome from like relocation on mid range, like just a couple dribbles in. And he's just like, yeah, I'll knock this down on a two. And that's not, you just don't see that. That's not an American. That's really, it's honestly like not an American play. <laughs> like our guys don't get chased off the three point line and, and take two dribbles. And they're like, yeah, I've got this shot in my bag. Let's just take this two points and go we try to get all the way to the basket or do something. You know what I mean? Like it's just not, not a play you see in college basketball a lot. 
Um, feel for the game is, is superb. I feel like he's always where he needs to be. A lot of Patrick Williams, like really smart cuts, really smart screens, really smart um, dives to the basket. The in-between stuff in terms of levels, not like and uh, in, in between shooting the three, getting a spot up, and finishing at the basket, and the ball handling in between and the creating space to get his own shot off is, is extremely advanced. Um, from what I've read, very mature kid that's like plus plus character. Same thing, same thing for Sadiq Bay, obviously. Um, somehow, somehow pulls off the, the very sudden movement athlete, like, uh, very forceful movement, but is always balanced, never, never kind of falls and never kind of gets himself off the path that he's trying to get to the basket. Jumps super high. Like he is a, he's almost like a, if if Simba had had feel for the game, um, he kind of kind of strikes me as that six six. So I don't I don't remember how tall Justin was, but um, he's six six. Doesn't six, look seven. like he's six. Yeah, six six, but filled out right, filled out like like man size six six. One of the comps that I read in one of the scouting reports was uh, <laughs> more athletic Jay Crowder. Okay, and all right, I, I can kind of see yeah. that. And I was like. Okay, but it's weird to take a NBA player or prospect and say the one thing that could unlock the rest of their game and make them incredible. Like more athletic Jay Crowder's like I don't I don't know what that player is, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's a really really good player. <laughs> like if you, yeah, like <laughs> a guy who's not going to go like 25th, you know. No. No, I'm like is more athletic Jay Crowder like Robert Siakam? Covington? Like, what are I mean, we talking about? Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah, maybe, like, what are we maybe because about? Jay is only, Jay's like 6'4", right? And Josh Green isn't the tallest guy mm. either. So maybe that's kind of, you know. Maybe. I'm just like, if you, if you, yeah, it's like saying, you know, Ben Simmons with a jumper or something. Like, if you took the <laughs> yeah. one thing that's keeping this player away from being like, you know, a nuclear player. And, you know, Jay's not. If you, if Jay is more athletic, like, I don't know what that brings you. But I think that's, that was... Um, the main, or I don't know, I don't know. I don't even remember Jay whenever he's coming out, whatever. But if you say the one thing that could unlock this guy's entire game, more of that is this other guy. That's just confusing comp for me. Um, but, uh, I really like Josh Green, man. I think he's going to have a really good career. I think he has potential to be a really solid three and D guy. Um, there's obviously not the, not the um, scoring out of the bag that you might necessarily want, but just fills in really nice. Will knock down an open shot. Uh, smart player. Um, so big fan of Josh Green. Hope he hope he lands in a in a good spot. So then, why is he? Why is what's the yeah but with him? Why, why, um, is, he, why is he running so low? Because everybody has good things to say about him. Like, yeah, I think some people have him as high like twelve. I think. Oh, okay. I think so I've the, seen him. The, there is there is I've a seen him up there. around there. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, he's not that tall, so, you know, some people might want to dream on what Jaden McDaniels could bring you more. I'm just comparing it to guys in his range, right? Yeah. So, Josh is 21st on Draft Express. I mean, from what I know of Cole Anthony, like I like Josh more. I probably like Josh more than long-term and what he could be eventually than, than Jalen Smith. Um, 
I think you just get to this point in the draft where you just I don't know. I don't I don't know what the what the ultimate upside for Josh is. Like it is fully actualized Josh Green like just a starter, you know? Just someone that, that starts and you're looking for a replacement at some point so he can be a bench guy. Yeah, or... I guess like the upside is mm. you know. But then again, Upside has gotten a lot of people drafted and uh, a lot of GMs looking for their next job. Yeah, so. like um, who's the guy for the freaking Raptors? Norman Powell. Mm, mm. Like I feel like I feel like he's like a Norman Powell, right? Okay, Where, just like a just a nice player. Yeah, just a really nice player. Um, Norman was great in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like had some moments, and it, but it you know he's like year. How old is Norman? He's like year eight or something, right? Isn't he's been he, around he's... for a minute, Norman Powell. Yeah. So, okay, year seven. He's been in the so, league for seven years? No, this will be, be seven, right? Wow. Let's see, drafted at 22. Yeah. So, just, you know, a guy that didn't get a lot of minutes at first, and then you kind of realized what you had, and it was a 40% three-point shooter and a... He scored 16 a game last year. Like, that's – maybe just needs the right situation. Um, but I think he could be that guy. I think Josh could for sure be that guy. So, that's that's Josh Green. I don't have anything else to say about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much the range. I mean, there, there's some other guys on my list, Robert Woodard and Tyler Bay. They're, you know, good athletes that – uh, you know, could refine something else, but they got the the body and the the hops and all that stuff, the defense. So, you know, I mean, that's 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 pretty much our our range right there. That that takes us almost all the way up to number thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's obviously you know last year we did all this for uh, a month or so, and then they took a guy that we didn't actually ever look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we did interview him in a Chick Fil A for a really that's long. That's true. Time. That's true. He had a good time at a Chick Fil A. Really good kid. I like. I like. I like Zay Roby. Yep. He um, changed his IG name, you know, to to Zayro. Oh, nice. So I guess that's very a new cool. Nickname. Yeah. Um, obviously, other guys that are like down around this range that you're gonna hear a lot about, or um, depending on who you follow, uh, Desmond Bain, Jamias Ramsey, Tyrell Terry. Tyrell Terry is like top ten on I think Kevin O'Connor's yep. list, um, which is shocking. Uh, and then Jemias Ramsey, I think Chark said he's going to have him in the top 10. Um, yeah, Chark's so, likes then, him a lot. And then hardcore draft heads won't shut up about Grant Riller, who I need to watch probably tomorrow <laughs> before he gets, gets drafted. <laughs> so, um, Xavier Tillman and Paul Reed, both those guys skilled. Big yeah. Men. Yeah, for sure. Woodard does interest me. Like I need to, I need to get some eyeballs on Woodard. I know people are assuming the body and the defensive specialist stuff is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so can't wait, man. Yep. Cannot wait to see what happens tomorrow night. Well, it's tonight, Mike. It is tonight. If I get sure, this podcast up in time, which there's no guarantees. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff we got to do tomorrow. So. My God. Yeah. But uh, once again, join us 6.30 p.m. Mavs.com slash draft. I'm sure it'll be on the homepage. I'm sure it'll be on Twitter. 
sure it'll be broadcast everywhere we can send it. But uh, if you want to watch the draft with a, with a Mavs angle to it and concerned about what's going to happen to your little Dallas Mavericks the entire time, then where are your guys? Uh, Babito will be out there in front of the camera with Chuck Cooperstein and Jeff Skin Wade, and I'll be I'll be behind the thing, running the show. So uh, hope it's a hope we get some great players. Who knows if we even make these picks <laughs> if they they turn into something else? All our work will be for anything not. could happen. <laughs> no, it's still good to know these guys. I yeah, think it's it still is. really good to know these guys. It is, but uh, almost anything could happen. You've seen it's been. 24 48 hours into the trade window being open <laughs> and we've traded a a couple of hall of famers and um it's just wild man it's it's a wild wild west again so can't wait who are the hall of famers chris paul and chris paul dante divincenzo yeah yeah chenzo bogdan ah euro league hall of fame yeah he yeah. honestly he might be because he was, he was pretty successful yeah yeah, exactly. Stuff. I don't know what's going on with my webcam. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, these podcasts are on YouTube <laughs> as well. I, I, I don't live with you. In, in a photo lab or anything. I've really I have no idea why I look so red. So I apologize for that if it was distracting. But the, you can listen That's to the audio good. version on iTunes. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome, man. What's uh, say that now at the end of the podcast that they've already <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, man, excited for it. Cannot wait. Love the draft. Love the love the possibilities. And this year is no exception, man. Yep. It's gonna be gonna be wild. It's gonna be absolutely wild. So looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Awesome. Alright, brother. I will see you and or talk to you in a matter of hours. Yep. See you soon. Alright.